Hello, everyone, and welcome to the eighth episode of Interversal Podcast, where every episode combines psychology with another topic. In this episode, we're going to be combining psychology with entrepreneurship, and I'm very excited to have on Rene Glandian, the founder of Bootylicious Muffins, a high-protein, low-carb alternative to those chalky protein bars or those gross sort of energy shakes. Rene, welcome. Would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you for having me, Sam. That was uh, quite the introduction and quite the accurate description of what we do. Basically, my name is Renee. I grew up in Southern California. That's where I went to college. And in college, I met my roommate, best friend, and now business partner. Uh, upon graduating, we uh, went straight into entrepreneurship and started a high-protein muffin company um, with little to no experience in really anything um, other than eating protein, working out um, during college. That was just really the only background. Really, it was a matter of two guys creating the product, creating the formula, um, manu like doing really small batch productions on our own. Six years has gone by. We just haven't quit. We haven't stopped. We just kept pivoting, pivoting, pivoting. And now we're at the point where um, we have a full operational business. Um, we have a production line. We have production employees that do the manufacturing. After me and Tristan, my business partner's name is Tristan. So Tristan is your co-founder. Yeah, co-founder. So it's just the two of us. We're, we're, we're the muffin men. We have a high-protein muffin company. And um, yeah, we're, we're, we're on the journey. We're on the path of entrepreneurship. I love that. So uh, I noticed, but before we get into the details of everything, I, so um, there is this uh, English social psychologist. His name is Graham Wallace. So one of the things that he's, I guess, most known for is the creation of essentially this model of how creativity uh, exists. And there's different models of creativity, uh, but this is a, a sort of a process theory. And there's four stages to it. And I think we should perhaps set this particular talk up to match those four sort of categories. The, the four stages are preparation, incubation, illumination, and verification. So I'd, I'd like to start off in that sort of that preparation stage. So my first question for you is, Basically, what what kind of inspired you? What what got you on the track towards starting this kind of company? I was finishing up undergrad, and I basically just started asking myself, "What do I want my life to look like? What am I what am I passionate about?" At this time, too, I just started working um, my first job or my first internship, and it was in finance. Uh, I knew I wanted to get my hands in business, marketing, finance. I wasn't entirely sure. And this was also the time where uh, Shark Tank was such a big was such a big hit. It was really at its peak. So everywhere you looked, there's Shark Tank episodes, and you're watching people go up and talk about their passion, how they turn their passion into a business. And I was um, interning as a as a commercial loan underwriter, which basically means I was doing fi like financially analyzing businesses to approve loans for, for business loans or commercial real estate loans. And um, essentially what I was doing was I was, I was looking at people's financial statements and creating a story in my head to show that the company has potential for us to approve a loan. And I remember specifically looking at one case where it was um, a couple, a husband and a wife that started a CrossFit company. 
and you can and I remember their year one financials were something like fifty to sixty thousand dollars in yearly revenue. Their year two was one hundred fifty thousand. Year three, they were hitting six hundred to seven hundred thousand. By year four, they were doing one point eight million. And year five, I mean, they're already doing upwards of five million in in revenue. And I could just see the story playing out in front of my head. These two. Uh, or this couple, this husband and wife getting together and really making their dreams come true. And I was, it was right in front of my computer screen. And I just like, I remember my mind was going off here. I was in, in an office on spreadsheets and I'm just looking at these people making their dreams come true. And I was essentially underwriting their dreams. So this was just going off in my head and that's going on. Uh, there was the atmosphere of shark tank and, I knew I wanted to start a business. I just needed some kind of direction and like almost a little bit of permission to say, Hey, Renee, it's okay. Like I kind of needed some, a little bit of mentorships, just someone to say, Hey, Renee, you got the green light, like go. So there was an entrepreneurial spirit. And then perhaps this, this particular show, uh, combined with this, uh, this, this job that you had where you got to see these things, these, uh, attempts at entrepreneurship very closely those yeah. are the sort of the, the dual sort of mechanisms that propelled you forward towards entrepreneurship for yeah. yourself yeah yeah absolutely the number one advice for becoming a better author is to read more to read more to under read obviously good literature yeah uh, but that's that's the thing and you you look at stories of the very top uh athletes and sometimes all they do is just watch the best performers before them in order to sort of conceptualize and master. And there's also a social element to it, of course. I mean, we're obviously a social creature. There's a million different proofs that we have now that we are, that we imitate each other, that we mimic each other. Yeah. Uh, and social psychology has gone crazy with that. Actually, there's everything from when you ask people, uh, how bad they think the crime is there's a correlation between how many crime shows they watch even if it's fiction shows but for how they see the world around them we have parts in our brain that uh activate if i snap and if i see you snap that same thing will go off because i'm practicing in my mind that 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 snap because i'm naturally all of us are naturally uh, matching each other or mm -hmm. attempting to match each other. Those are called mirror neurons, by the way. So we, we have this natural thing. You created, you created an environment. It sounds like for an yourself, atmosphere. Absolutely. an atmosphere. Abs absolutely. That's beautiful. And I, w I wouldn't let anyone talk me out of it. If I knew someone was kind of not in that headspace, I really didn't want to get their advice, but yeah, no, that's absolutely true. So the, the, the protein bar industry is about four and a half billion dollars in terms of its its market worth in the united states yes and the fitness industry is about 100 billion um right now so what what was it what was it that eventuated that decision for for you to go in that sort of space as opposed to let's say um the people that inspired you were doing uh, similar it was crossfit right um yeah crossfit exactly starting so then gym, what really what why not why not something like uh in terms of maybe pharmaceuticals or biotech or or something involving engineering why was it why do you think it was towards nutrition uh that's that's a good question um i'll go very practical 
I don't know anything about starting a gym. I don't know anything about retailing or this back when I was 21. I didn't know anything about anything, but I knew what tasted good and I knew how to count protein and I knew I liked food. Again, this is very, very practical. I knew everyone needs to eat. So there's always going to be a market and everyone has a monthly grocery bill or they, they budget for food every month. So there's always going to be a market. Um, I, Again, I don't want to say I'm a foodie because humans were all foodies, but I like I like food that tastes good and I like creating things in in the kitchen. I said, you know what? How hard is it to make something in the kitchen? Um, I've gone to grocery stores. I've looked at food. I've looked at packaging. Um, I mean, to say that to say that you like food is probably a a simpler answer because or that you like good food is probably a simpler answer than you have a, a ability to sort of discern good taste. So some people don't have that sort of thing. Like for me, I don't have a very refined palate. You can give me very cheap wine or the, you know, a $20,000 uh, bottle. And I, I really don't think I would taste the difference. And I think some people have much, much better. My, my ears are very good for discerning uh, you know, the quality of sound, if, if, if music's even slightly distorted or anything of that sort, I'll pick it up a little quicker, or if things are harmonizing in the atmosphere, uh, a, a motorcycle and something else, like I'll, I'll, I'll be able to catch that. Um, but yours seems to be probably taste. And I guess there, there's a visual component too with the marketing, of course. Yeah, it was for sure. I would definitely say taste. I, I would also add on more macronutrients again going to the gym working out um you know what numbers look good when it comes to food uh it's not just protein it's you want low moderate calories you want something with fiber less sugar um moderate so that's, that's the thing with a lot of these protein bars i mean they they have from from what i understand between like uh was it um like a hundred to like 150 to 400 uh, calories and what was it uh, about 10 to 20 grams of sugar on average. And you, mm -hmm. you do, you do laps around it. I mean, yours isn't a protein bar, of course, but yeah, you do laps around that. Yeah, absolutely. So this is going more into the market research product. Re so once we had decided on food, uh, we wanted to do indulgent food. Um, we wanted to do food that you want to eat, uh, and have fun eating. That's not boring. And when you look at uh, this is also around the time where Halo Top ice cream was coming out and getting really big, the low calorie ice cream. Um, can you can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because I, I think right now we're, we're diving into the question of like, what steps did you take to sort of like move towards, you know, launching this company? And mm -hmm. you're giving me some some nice context. What, what is what is Halo Top? So Halo Top is a low calorie ice cream that launched in 2016. And within a few years, I want to say within three or four years, they became the number one seller in the category of ice cream. They beat out Ben and Jerry's, Hagen Dazs, um, uh, Bluebell, who, which, and companies that have been around for over 100 years. Yeah. They wow. just wiped them clean. And it was such an indication that people wanted to indulge guilt-free so and that was in the ice cream category so that's that such was, a that's such a good statement people yeah. want to indulge guilt-free i love that believe me it's on all of our marketing it's all over our uh social media our website so then um, what were what were the next steps we kind of understood right then and there okay we need to get into dessert 
And we started looking at some of the protein bars, brownies, cookies, and nothing had the numbers that added up to what we, what we wanted. We wanted something really high protein, low calories, like I said, low sugar, high fiber, all of that stuff. Imagine a protein cookie that has, um, 16 grams of protein, but it's 400 calories and like 30 grams of sugar. That that's what was out there on the market. Unless, unless you're, you're a, a power lifter or you're, you're doing something that's extremely energy consuming. Um, yes. that's, that's not, that's not going to work out very well. Yeah. And it's almost like you're better off just eating a regular cookie than that's true. Buying something that might not taste as good. And, um, Anyways, that's that that was kind of like the hole in the market that we saw. Um and then it was it was just asking around and really doing our research. Uh one big thing about entrepreneurship and is or one big skill to be an entrepreneur is resourcefulness. You need to just know how to use your resources to your advantage. So we started talking to family, friends, um, we were looking at other people that were kind of in a similar space, asking what they learned. Something that was a big issue was having a perishable product, a perishable food product. So the great thing about our design, and I don't know if anyone can see, or if you're listening, sorry, but on the video, I'm showing the muffin. Um, it's essentially a baking mix. So it's just powder in a cup and it has a two year shelf life and it does not need to be refrigerated or frozen um, to, to hold on a shelf. So when we make these muffins, we essentially have two years to sell it. We can ship it online um, or ship it after we sell it online. It can store in uh, warehouses on Amazon warehouses, and we can kind of just take our time selling it. So that was that was a big thing into the design. We ended up landing on the idea of doing a baking mix. And then people also really love convenience. Um, it is a big thing, uh, especially in America. It's convenient packaging, convenient foods. Um, it is, it is such a big deal. So we landed on individual serving size muffin mix in the cup. I love that. So obviously market research was a, was a massive part of it. And it looks like you weren't necessarily entirely reinventing the wheel, but rather you were looking at the sort of the flaws and foibles and blemishes and gaps that were existing in a market that you that you had some somewhat of an that you and your uh, co-founder had somewhat of an interest in. Yes. I think that's something that people should definitely uh, take into account. Uh, it's not like you entrepreneurship doesn't have to be you're obsessed with I don't know a particular thing pens perhaps, and because of that obsession, you are propelled forward to create something magnificent involving pens. It could also be just the intrinsic desire to create and extrinsically having an environment that shows you some of those steps. And then the rest is you pulling, pulling forward and looking at what exists, what doesn't exist and things of yeah. that sort. Absolutely. I think you, you really hit the nail on the head with uh, the idea of convenience and, you know, we can call it convenience. We can call it laziness. There is a good, there was a really good book uh, called insanely simple. Uh, have you heard of this one? No, I don't think so. Yeah, so it's by Ken Segal. Uh, it's it's basically about the genius of Apple uh, when it f essentially of um, uh, not Tim Cook, 
Um, oh yeah, uh, Steve I, Steve Jobs. Yeah, yeah. And essentially how, yeah, and it's it's an older book, and essentially just how simplicity was the dominant mechanism uh, through which Apple barreled forward, and that that seems to be something that really works. I mean, Amazon obviously has simplicity too. It's a single click now. Yeah. It's a single click and you're, you're done, you know? Um, so that's something that, that seems like it's, it's, it's a perspicacious, uh, uh, target that convenience yeah. for anyone who wants to be an entrepreneur in this hyper busy time of, you know, 2023 entering into 2024. Um, the, the next sort of stage, uh, I want to dive into is the incubation, uh, incubation is essentially like when the thought is sort of in the back of your head, but what I really want to focus on in this capacity is while, while you are working and while you're not working before you created this product during the creation of this project and after the creation of this project, what is, what is the thing you did to sort of keep your head on your shoulders? Because from what I understand, it was you were beginning around 2020, which was obviously not a good time for anyone. So what were basically, what did you do to, whether it's de-stress or just keep yourself focused? What, what was the strategies that you used? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think we're really getting to like the core of like the, the mindset of being an entrepreneur, because the reality is it's such a brutal process. However hard you think it is, it's exponentially harder than that. Um, and that's something that you don't, you can only see when you're on the inside. Can I ask you a question? Sorry, yes. sorry to cut that off. If you, if you had to replace the word, uh, harder or more difficult with perhaps, uh, like an emotional response, well, what would it be? Would it be like scary? Would it be concerning? Like what, what would you say, uh, that, that experience is to, 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 to move can entrepreneurially? Not an easy question. Yeah, it's not an easy question. Um, it's it's a mix of hopelessness when you're trying to stay hopeful. Um, really forcing yourself to be optimistic when you're in such an unpredictable state and such an unpredictable environment. Uh, the The Elon Musk quote comes to mind where he's like, he said that entrepreneurship is like chewing on glass and staring into the abyss. And <laughs> yeah. And that quote resonated with so many entrepreneurs. As a re and I mean, it weren't really, uh, it became a really popular quote because it really is chewing on glass where every day you're getting shot at and there's so many things going wrong and staring into the abyss is because there is no end goal in sight. You're playing and, or an infinite game, which means there is no end to it. You're just going every day and um, really putting yourself in a state of suffering. It's a great answer, like that hopelessness and staring into the abyss because entrepreneurial uh, endeavors essentially by definition involve moving into a new space, something that's not yet defined. So that, that, that is emptiness or, or, uh, abysmal. That, yeah. that is, that is an interesting thought, uh, just that you're staring at nothing. And, and kind of the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial curse is also you're led by curiosity. You're, you're so curious of, uh, both on the, on the, the business side, the 
can this product make it last? Can can I see, for example, the muffins being naturally nationally distributed all across the country? And then also the internal curiosity of, am I actually capable of doing something like this? Uh, do I have what it takes? Um, and these are questions that uh, it's essentially this curiosity that leads you and pushes you forward and really stops you from quitting no matter how hard it no matter how hard it is along the way but when you are chomping away on that glass staring <laughs> into the the vacuousness of of entrepreneurship what what are the things that you would do to sort of keep yourself regulated focused and not terrified that you're going to slip into that infinite nothingness yeah <laughs> that was a very very detailed sad question but a very a very much <laughs> no, needed one needed... of one of resilient hope one of resilient how do you hope. have hope the, yeah uh i i'll give you a very uh or i'll give you an example um basically our covid story and everyone's covid story but we started two years before covid we just started gaining a little bit of traction we were still trying to figure out what we're, who we were, what we were doing and COVID hits, supply chain crisis hits. We're in the business of buying ingredients, bringing it over to us, processing it and shipping it all out. So our entire world got flipped upside down. Um, we had a great reason to quit. Uh, every day we had a, like the opportunity to quit. Uh, but essentially what kept us in tune on track and not going crazy was working out. Um, it's cool because it is our industry. Um, Bootylicious, we're in the fitness and um, really, I, I want to say working out, but that was just the vehicle. I think it was going all in on your routine and controlling the controllables, the things that you can control for us, it was it was going to the gym and working out on our physical fitness, which then turned into our mental toughness. Every single day, um, it was it was like our non negotiables. So our daily, not for example, our daily non negotiables were working out twice a day, not eating any junk food, not drinking alcohol, um, reading ten pages of our nonfiction or personal development, and no matter how bad business was, it was a great day. It was a productive day. And we, we were building momentum in our personal lives that essentially leaked into the business. So we, we always kind of kept momentum pushing forward. It was like keeping the rod hot. Have you heard of someone named Martin Seligman? No. Okay. So he is essentially the father of a one of the many schools of psychology. There's maybe 60 or so schools of psychology, evolutionary psychology, uh, neuroscience could be considered one, psychoanalysis, et cetera. And of course, there's sub-schools within each. There's Freudian uh, psychoanalysis, there's Adlerian, et cetera. But uh, he started essentially positive psychology, which is rooted in the understanding uh, that we don't always have to be looking at essentially just the neuroanatomy or turning someone from negative eight to a negative four, making them a little bit less bad, but rather taking someone who's a positive two and making them a positive six. 
And that's essentially the, the starting point of positive psychology. It's how do we make our lives even better? And how do we make ourselves more resistant to pain and, and unnecessary suffering? Because some suffering is, is important and actually necessitous. So in his, in his latest book, his latest book called Flourish uh, is, a, is a fantastic book. And he breaks down, uh, he creates this acronym to detail the elements, the most important elements of happiness, of, of flourishing, really, more specifically, because they don't use the word happiness. They use subjective well-being. And the five elements that they talk about uh, can be the acronym is PERMA. PERMA is positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaning, and achievement. So it sounds like some of the stuff you did, especially exercising, exercising sounds like the, and, and creating a routine that's creating meaning. That's creating a, a structure. Meaning doesn't structure. have to be religious or anything of that sort. And everything bleeds into each other. Like you said, when you create a hyperstructure workout routine, that hyper-structural thrust, if you will, manifests in other parts in your life. You know, one of the reasons why they tell people to, if, if you're having a lot of trouble, kind of like going through a particular uh, problem, your problem solving, they say, clean your room, clean your office, because it's, it's cluttering your mind as well. So when you start mm -hmm. cleaning, you're, you're sort of the back of your mind is is working towards this particular thing, but also you're removing all of these, call it distractions if you want, we, we can also call it frictions, uh, towards moving forward, towards understanding that thing you want to do. And as a, as, a, as a sort of tertiary thing, exercise, exercise makes you so resilient, not just because, you know, what's what would build resilience more than just having to heave something up or... <laughs> or continuously run forward when nothing's chasing you. There's the only motivation is, is you. Yeah. Uh, but more importantly, exercise, you, you, you release endorphins. And, uh, I spoke about it, uh, with my friend Jack from rugged Jack's the hot sauce endorphins are your body's natural. They're endogenous, uh, uh, like endogenous morphine. They are a natural painkiller. Um, the, one of the wildest things that I've, I've read about psychology is that Tylenol can help you feel less social pain, that social pain can be reduced by taking actual painkillers. So, and that loneliness and isolation uh, and exclusion is registered in the same, same exact uh, areas, many of the same exact areas as being punched in the face or as having physical, uh, a bad stomach ache. So these things are all intertwined and you've made the very strategic decision to create that, that thing that will make you coded, will make you protected, will, will be like a social painkiller, if you will, with the, what was it? Chewing glass, chewing glass and staring into the abyss with the chewing glass and staring into the abyss-ness. <laughs> uh, of, of being of, of any sort of entrepreneurial engagement. So it's, it's fantastic that, that exercise was like one of the real foundational, um, uh, thrusts for you to, to move forward. Absolutely. And then also going off of the structure and the meaning uh, what, what was the acronym? PERMA. PERMA. 
the meaning, you know, it sounds silly, but um, just by having non-negotiables saying every day I must, I must work out or I must work out twice a day. And, you know, I have my list. I must read. I must do this. It gives you purpose in life. You kind of artificially create this purpose in life. And this has nothing to do with the business anymore. It's when the alarm goes off in bed, you have a reason to get up and just go. There's things that need to be done. Um, yeah, meaning you think it, you think it, the endorphins and everything that that happiness that you create is um, that's the physical side. But I think the the just are almost artificially creating purpose in your life. It's it's like such a cheat code to getting right. out of a dark place or in a depressive state. Absolutely. I mean, and there's, I have like two responses to that. One is the <laughs> fact that uh, the one of the newer popular uh, sort of psychoanalytic psychologists, his name is Viktor Frankl. He wrote one of the most important books uh, of, you know, of basically the, the 20th century. It's called Man's Search for Meaning. And a beautiful book. It's, it's a very short book. It's right behind me also. Mm -hmm. Um, and the book is 50% surviving a concentration camp, uh, and 50% logo therapy. So going way back to the 1890s, Sigmund Freud believed that we are motivated by sex and pleasure and things of that sort. Uh, following him, uh, you had some people like Adler and Adler believed it was all about, uh, power, that that's the thing we're motivated by. And Frankel believed that it was something that you kind of had to you had to find, you had to create for yourself, which is meaning. And meaning can mean so many different things for so many different people. For some, it's obviously religion. Uh, for some, it is a sense of spirituality. For others, it is that you have so much like artistry in your mind, whether it's music and you just need the world to hear that, that thing that's dancing, you know, between your ears all the time. Uh, and you, you have, you have sort of hit the nail on the head that you have found or crafted really to be more precise. You have crafted a meaning that that regimentation would not exist. None of that would be in a proper orbit without the gravity, the gravity, the gravitational pull of having that meaning that you have established. You described it a lot better than I could have <laughs> ever described right. it. Yeah. Logo, adding, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Adding to the yeah, I, I I read the book too, and it didn't click until I basically found this. Working out was the vehicle that worked for us. Um, create creating that purpose, creating the the things the things that need to do. But yeah, lo logo therapy. I think there was also um, I remember some. This might be sorry, going a little off topic, but it, it was about the book. My takeaway was um, when he said that at the concentration camps, he noticed that a lot of people just started dropping dead when it came closer to Christmas or their birthdays or holidays. Oh yeah. There was one, there's one circumstance in the book where there was this, uh, one of his, um, one is one of his fellows was convinced that there was this particular day that they would be saved. And this was a person who, as far as concentration camp, people in a concentration camp, he was a healthier person. And then it was, I think the day of, or the day after that day had passed and he essentially dropped dead. So at that point, I mean, he's not obviously well-fed, no, no real sustenance. W what they're kind of thriving on is that, that 
meaning, that meaning has created uh, hope. When, when um, this is like 10 years ago, I was studying suicide and one of the most consistent things, especially in adolescent suicide, was meaning, a lack of meaning. So one of the things that you, you do for people who are suicidal is you try and find at least little pieces of meaning. And sometimes it could be something very trivial. Someone who is like a big nerd uh, with Star Wars and, and things of that sort, you tell them, oh, well, there's that really good Star Wars game that's coming out soon. Like, don't you want to watch the trailer at least? Like finding little pieces of meaning. And sometimes it could be, it doesn't have to be little either. It could be a multitude of large things. But meaning is is such an important and uh, like omnibenevolent force if if you can find it if you can make it if you can understand it when it's around you absolutely not, nothing more to <laughs> add to that <laughs> i get i give like lectures of responses sometimes um but yeah i mean i just think that's i think that's excellent that you you've used this kind of you you've used exercise because you've also embodied the thing that you're you're creating you yeah. you've embodied a high protein, low carb existence. We're in the industry. We're surrounded by, by the people, the motivation. Um, we follow all these other supplement brands and companies. And, um, that's just kind of the, the space that we're in the territory. It's a lot of motivation and people that are very overweight. We see people that are over 300 pounds, get themselves down to 170, 180 pounds. And it's a very big obstacle. There is the hopelessness that that comes with being that overweight and that we see these stories every day so we're, we're just surrounded surrounded by that space that sounds like it's another another way to sort of craft meaning when you look at the consequences or the positive results that that your your industry and your enterprise yields it, it, yeah we when you after start launching a business, you realize very quickly that it's 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 more than just make you're doing this more than just making money. There's so many easier, more relaxing ways to make money. What's more relaxing than chomping on glass? <laughs> I, I love this too because you've identified one of the positive emotions. Because again, that that perma model that that feeling uh, I don't want to call it pride necessarily because people mix up what pride means, but you feel a sense of um, gratitude that what you're creating has a positive result. You're not yeah. working for a cigarette company. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or some, some vague corporation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we see the direct impact that it, it does on people's lives. Um, people, they, it tastes really good. They share it with their, with their gym community. We're very big in the diabetic or the bariatric crowds. Um, so we, we, We've gone past the bodybuilding and it's just anyone that kind of can feel um, alive again when they're dieting. And um, it's also friendly for those who are in a, a keto diet, correct? Yeah, it's keto friendly yeah. too. It depends on how strict you are dieting because it does have three to five grams of sugar and um, seven grams of net carbs. It, it depends on how strict you are, but it is, it is keto friendly. Uh, let's, let's, let's dive into the illumination, uh, 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 quadrant here. What, you know, what is basically, how did you move into essentially selecting these particular ingredients? Yeah. So going down to the ingredients, uh, like how you just said, we did everything that we could to 
keep the nutrients what they are. Um, the seven grams of net carbs, the 25 grams of protein, 180 to 200 calories. So that was the number one priority and taste. So the, the number one critique we get all the time, it's over 90%. I would even say 95% of the complaints are always about taste. It's not so much about the ingredients. Um, it's not so much, uh, having that there's gluten in it or that there's dairy in it or, the extra grams of sugar, the three to five, it's, it's strictly taste. So, um, going down the list, we, for example, the, the protein blend, we use wheat protein, whey protein, and pea protein, um, a blend. If we had it our way, it would be completely whey protein animal based. We, it's our belief. It has not belief fact that it has all nine essential amino acids. It is the best for recovering and repairing muscle. Now we still add it, but we had to do a blend of wheat and pea because it just makes the muffins um, fluffier. It makes them, it, it adds to the mouthfeel, which essentially has people coming back to buy more and goes back to the indulging guilt-free. So it sounds like taste and convenience are like the the sort of the, the, the cornerstones of of this product. Absolutely. I would even go as far as to say it's not just our product or the fitness, but just taste when it comes to food, taste is taste is king. Kind of like how they said with retail, um, 20 years ago, or the, the famous advice is location, location, location. When it comes to having a retail store with food, it's taste, taste, taste. You know, is there the, the possibility that people would sacrifice taste if something was just almost impossibly healthy? Healthy. You know, it had, it had so much, it had the exact amount of protein you need, had no sugar somehow, didn't give you cancer immediately yeah. somehow <laughs> with that, with whatever they're substituting. Yeah. Do you think people would? Because you, you would know more than anyone else. And by the way, while you're answering this question, I'm going to start making, I'm going to start making the cake, the birthday cake one. Oh, so nice. So people can see. So this is what it looks like, by the way, not for you. So as you're making the birthday cake muffin, I will also tell you, um, the top selling flavors are all the, uh, indulgent flavors. So not the fruit flavors, blueberry, banana, peanut butter, and lemon poppy seed are not, are the bottom sellers. Top sellers are double chocolate birthday cake and cinnamon bun. That peanut butter one, that peanut butter one was amazing. Cho the chocolate peanut butter banana. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so the consistency is perfect. I'm going to put in the microwave for what I usually do is I put in the microwave for about 30 seconds and then I wait a few seconds and I do another 15. So the whole process, everyone, takes about one minute. Yeah. If you can spare. I don't know if this is a psychological twist, but what we think the reason why the fruit flavors don't do the best is because when you're dieting, you're usually allowed to eat fruit. So there's no lacking of fruit in your diet, what you can't eat is an actual birthday cake or something very chocolatey or uh, a cinnamon, cinnamon bun. So that's why everyone goes to these muffins as an escape. Like, I just want to feel a birthday cake in my mouth. That's my mouth. incredible. That's incredible. That's, that's like the that. forbidden fruit theory. That's, that's amazing. That's, of course, that's psychological. There's yeah, a, yeah. There's a great book, uh, by, um, uh, Dr. Roy Baumeister, 
that's my microwave, uh, by Dr. Roy Baumeister called Willpower. And he talks about how willpower is a finite reserve. And, you know, there's, there's certain things that help our willpower grow, you know, strengthening those, we'll call it willpower muscles. But there's also, a lot of it is based on diet. So there's, there's certain sugars that if, if we're very depleted, our willpower goes very far down. And it, it makes perfect sense that someone who's dieting, they're like, oh my God, this is going to taste like that stuff that I really, really, really love. Exactly. Let me let me dive into that. So that's 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 incredible. I love that. By the way, how's the birthday cake, Sam? Give me a first initial reaction. There, there's no way. There's no way that this has such little sugar. There's no <laughs> way. I, um, yeah. How much does this one have? I think four grams, five grams for the birthday cake. Yeah. So this one, this one has five grams of sugar. It's 190 calories has 25 grams of protein it's, it just doesn't it doesn't it, just, it doesn't add like up. something it doesn't make sense yeah i'm like looking for the rest like what, <laughs> what, what is like how are you doing this it doesn't I've matter never, it does taste like a like a birthday cake which is yeah. the weirdest part because everyone has different birthday cakes yeah. and i guess that is that is a, a a common flavor you you can get lemon flavors from healthy eating same thing with bananas, same thing with blueberries, but birthday cake is just such a unique flavor. Like you have to buy something like our product to, to experience what you're experiencing. Joy, guilt-free joy guilt is what I'm experiencing joy. right now. And, and a little bit of burning my mouth because I'm eating it too quickly. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's just my own psychosis. Um, so the, the first thing you would say is to focus on the taste. Focus on the taste, yes. What else? Um, if you're going to pick a category, um, a specific category of food that you're going to sell to, whether it be gluten-free, high protein, um, sh complete, completely sugar-free, uh, vegan, stick to one and be the best at it. A jack of all trades is a master of none. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So it would be that. And um, yeah, just make the just develop the product really well. Um, make sure you like it, make sure you're passionate about it, because you're gonna be stuck with it for a long time. And uh, it's going to be part of your reputation. What what would you say the personality traits are of someone who's an entrepreneur? Because just from what I've seen, like I, I break it down into personality tests. So mm -hmm. there's, there's a variety of personality tests, which we can talk about. Um, but just, just, you know, practically from what you see and from what you've experienced, um, both, uh, with yourself and your partner, what, what do you think are certain traits, personality traits that mark someone who will be an entrepreneur and perhaps even if you want, uh, someone who's going to be a successful entrepreneur from everything that we've studied and really the fact that we've survived six years, um, I would really credit everything to mental toughness. That is that is the all in one. Of course, there's a lot of things: resourcefulness, um, uh, being being a risky or uh, risk averse. I think is is the term. We're more cap more capable or able to take risk. You wouldn't be risk aversive. Yeah, you would not be risk adverse. Meaning, you you wouldn't be averted by risk. You wouldn't be someone who's afraid of risk. Sam, have you read the book or heard of the book Grit? By Angela Duckworth. Yeah, yeah, of course. Re really? Yeah, okay, she has so a great TED Talk too. 
Oh, okay. There you go. I think that book really, really sums it all up. And she basically, to kind of paraphrase the whole book, is that successful high achievers, it's, um, I think she says it's a blend of passion. They have this blend of passion and perseverance. Perseverance meaning my takeaway is when you don't feel like doing it, you do it anyways, mm -hmm. consistently for a long period of time. And the people that can do that the best are the ones that win in any space, but specifically entrepreneurship. If you really like uh, uh, Dr. Duckworth, um, there's also Carol Dweck, who mm -hmm. has the idea of the growth mindset. The These two, they're paired very often, maybe because they're both, you know, very uh, popular um, female psychologists in a space that entrepreneurs are looking towards you know yeah I, I yeah i read i read both the books um and there's also this other saying that's kind of on uh more more towards the the grit side is uh you you can't lose if you don't quit so there's this uh one of the most impressive uh psychologists of the 20th century his name is albert bandura he had uh this incredible experiment that was one of the reasons why um, psychology became more cognitive as opposed to behaviorist. Um, just very quickly, children, instead of being rewarded or punished, would watch a behavior and then they would imitate the behavior without rewards or punishments. It was something that would happen within their own minds. It's called the Bobo doll experiment. Um, if, if adults hit a doll and then left the room, the child, the infant basically, would start hitting the doll too. Uh, so like they learned not through reward or punishment, but rather just by imitation. It's called vicarious learning. Uh, but this was something that was very novel at the time. This, this amazingly intelligent uh, uh, psychologist has one of the best quotes, too, about self-efficacy. And it is, self-belief does not necessarily ensure success, but self-disbelief assuredly spawns failure. And it, it reminds me so much of what you said about... Uh, giving up is one of the really the only ways to fail. Uh, there is a notion of that. And you have to think that the other person the your competitor is also human. They're also going through the same thoughts and feelings and emotions as you. So if you can be the guy or girl that um, can go through it and not give up before them before they turn around and sell the company, and the other owners dissolve it, or they just give up and quit. Um, if you can outlast them, then you're going to beat them. You're going to take up their market share. And, um, there, there is a lot of, a lot of bit of, uh, just directly with entrepreneurship. It's, it's having that grit and that perseverance is such a great strategy. When one talks about personality, uh, one of the things, one of the tests that comes up, it's called the big five, uh, which is, uh, it's a good way to remember it as ocean or, or canoe. Um, and it is openness, conscientiousness, uh, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. So these are the five traits that they look at, and they look at which side are you on? Are you, for example, extroverted or are you introverted? Uh, are you someone who is sensitive or like hi really hypersensitive and neurotic or someone who is resilient and confident? Um, so they would look at these sort of, these sort of traits. Are you agreeable or disagreeable? And it's uh, one of the major biggest difference that they found is 
that those who are entrepreneurial pretty consistently are very low on the neurotic side. So that, and neuroticism, people use the word neurotic all the time. Oh, she's so neurotic. He's so neurotic. Uh, neuroticism is essentially how negatively you experience drawbacks and difficulties and trials and tribulations. So how your tendency to experience the negatives more powerfully, more deeply, more how vulnerable you are to them. So there's a, there's, there's a tendency for entrepreneurs to be for entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs to be more resistant towards neuroticism. So whether that's you just you look at the the fear charging towards you and you're like, wow, this is gonna hurt, and you just move forward anyway, or you just you have fail safes in your mind, like, oh, I'm 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 so scared about this thing, I'm gonna spend the next you know, eight minutes before going on that stage, putting myself in a, in a mindset that makes me stronger. These are all coping mechanisms. These are all very, very, um, powerful ways to armor yourself, but also fight against that neuroticism. And you do it once it's an occurrence. You do it several times. It becomes a habit. If you habituate it for a long time, it becomes a personality. It becomes who you are. Same way that if someone makes a quip once you're like, Oh, that was funny. And if they continuously make jokes, eventually he or she is funny. Wow. Interesting. Um, would you say ex or optimism is just someone who has a very optimistic personality or in some cases, extremely optimistic is someone that's very low, low neurotic on the neurotic scale? Yes. But I want to, I want to be clear because it's not just optimism. There's a huge overlap. Uh, and because there's a huge overlap, someone like me is going to zoom in on when there isn't an overlap. Um, because I, a lot of times this is very true with psychology, which again, mental health is becoming a trend, which is great and awful great in that there's suddenly everyone's talking about mental health, especially men who that was not a popular thing, but now it is becoming sort of a thing, taking care of yourself. Um, and, and knowing the specific ways that we uh, remedy ourselves from the difficulties in life. Confident is different than optimism. Optimism is your, we'll call it your belief that things are, uh, let's say, that undefined things are better than how others might see them. They are m more positively perceived. That's what optimism is. Consider it almost a lens through which you look where things are more positive. Whereas confidence, you don't necessarily have to be very positive to be uh, confident. You can be confident that you're going to be able to accomplish something that's very simple or something that's extremely tough. The one that's very simple doesn't necessarily need that optimism. So confident is a, is a trait of self-awareness, of self-awareness and being able to assess a situation, we'll call it rationally, um, that will allow you to move forward. Optimism is you will look at the undefined in a positive light. You know how you discover a lot about yourself based on the feedback that others tell you? Right. Growing up from childhood until now, the one consistent thing that I've always heard throughout my life is I'm extremely optimistic 
all the time. I don't know nature and nurture, whatever it is, but if there was maybe something that correlates that to, um, to being entrepreneurial too, after that, I've, that's really the only personality connection that I've drawn. So there's this guy, uh, his name is Charles Cooley. He's a, uh, he's more of a sociologist than a psychologist. Uh, he has this theory called the looking glass self. And the summary of it is essentially, I am who I think you think I am. So in yes. a room where someone is like, oh, uh, there's Renee. He's, he's so, uh, he's so fit. He's someone who's constantly thinking about his health and the physicality and he abstains from alcohol as much as he can. And he's in the gym all the time. When they see you, you will actualize this. You will actualize the belief that you have that they have about you. And someone else might look at you and be like, oh, Renee, I heard him speaking on the Universal podcast and he really, he really gets it. Like he's got these things together and he's so sagacious about all this stuff and he's really young yet he's able to, you know, move forward in this difficult space of glass chomping. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's so wise. So then when you're around them, you have this tendency for those particular qualities in you to be a little bit more present. So that's, that's his theory, the looking glass self, Charles yeah. Horton Cooley. Yeah, that's, that's exactly the point that I was trying to make, but a lot, a lot better said. Well, it's, I mean, these are, again, this is one of the, the beauties <laughs> of psychology. Psychology, I don't think really, psychology does teach us a, a, a good amount, a large amount, but I think psychology right now is in, in a certain state in which just like uh, all these entrepreneur, I'm going to call them bros, um, you, you get such a gargantuan mass of content that what really needs to happen more than additional information is refining it, refining the current information as to what, what does, what does this stuff really mean? And I think, um, when you, when you look at, some of these entrepreneurs, they, they give a very general idea. Oh, here's what you got to do. You got to wake up at this time and then do this and do this. And I look at that. I'm like, how could, how could anyone possibly do a one size fits all, uh, like guidance while also being very specific? Like those two things are negatively correlated. You can give general advice. Like, you know, when you wake up, one of the first things you should do is, think about your, whatever it is, whether it's a, your product or whatever it is that you want to be an entrepreneur about. But some of these people give this really specific advice that everyone must do. And you're looking at it like that's, that's, that's not how, that's not how individuals, multiple individuals work. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of uh, stigma with the entrepreneurial space online because of that. It's very broy entrepreneurial. It's, um, it, it's very romanticized. I want to say, especially in this country as like this beautiful thing, the beautiful story. And, and it is, I mean, the story from, from an immigrant family to comes to this country, the rags, the riches story, everything is awesome. But the underdog that we all, underdog, we want to root for. Exactly. And everyone kind of wants to be in those shoes, but, um, uh, no one really talks about what it, what it actually takes. And, you're right. There is not one size fits all. Um, so I'm, I, again, this is going back to the, to the 
previous questions where you said what kind of personality does it take? If there was a one size fits all for entrepreneurship, it is the mental toughness, the grit, perseverance. These are general. The one size fits all. What I'm talking about is these individuals. There is one size fit all in fits all in when you zoom out a lot, like gigantic personality traits that mm -hmm. in, that can manifest in a thousand different ways. Neuroticism can can manifest in so many different ways. Just like uh, being confident can manifest in a thousand different ways. What they would do is here's here's the way to be confident. It's like. Well, every, everyone is so different. different. Toughness is important. And I think you hit it on the head. Toughness is a constant for entrepreneurs. You have to be tough because you're entering a pitch black room trying to create pockets of light. That is not an easy thing to do. You have nothing, nothing. Like I, I tell people, if, if we decided to quit during COVID, we would have, um, we had every reason to quit and very legitimate reasons to quit. Um, and there will be other times that, that happen again for us, where we're going to face, um, face those problems. Um, by the way, sorry, I'm, I like you, you give such a like well thought out, like psychological analysis of like everything, such a breakdown. It's not got to remember this is in my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then this is just a, a small piece of it. I mean, the, I, if, if I had all the articles I've read, I mean, it would, it would be way more than this. Definitely. Cause I've read more articles. I've read more pages of articles than pages of books, like many times over. Yeah. So I've, I've had time to think about this and I've also had the, the, the major benefit of talking to very different people and maybe aggressively insisting that we that we look at it from a psychological lens, something that's not necessarily intrinsically psychological, like entrepreneurship. But in my mind, everything is psychological. Yeah. It can benefit benefit from a psychological lens. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm learning a tremendous amount right now. <laughs> yeah, no, same. <laughs> what was a time in which you and your partner were like, this is, this is extremely difficult. This is life on expert mode. Like I need a break. Like what's, what am I going to do? Maybe four years into it, uh, 2021 at the height of the supply chain issues, um, we pretty much ran out of money and we needed to buy ingredients. And it's a conversation you never want to have, but going to, um, our parents and asking for money, it was probably the most, it was, and I also want to preface that we, we don't have investors. Um, we've been very bootstrapped and we're very proud of how far we've gone without help. Um, this, we started, we started the company with me and Tristan pitching in money of, of our own money that we had saved up. Uh, we scrapped for maybe three years or two or three years until we had enough cash flow, uh, positive cash flow or profitability. And then we turned around and we went and got uh, business loans from the banks. And that's how we started piecing together our machinery and building up our our manufacturing line. Um, and we had done all this and we'd gone to the point where, um, we essentially had nothing. We had all of our money was strapped, um, strapped up an in inventory that we didn't even have, uh, on hand. Um, imagine waking up one day and the cost of whey protein went up three or four times and it doesn't come in two weeks. It comes six months from now and you're making product and having to sell it. Um, like, 
you're not, we ship out product the next day for our orders. We produce every week. So, um, we didn't even know what we were going to do as far as getting ingredients and we didn't have money and we had to now, thankfully, and this is what gratitude comes in. We have a very loving family and very supportive family, both of us, me and Tristan that are both of our dads have lived very adventurous lives and they can, they, they respect our sense of adventure. Um, whereas a lot of my friends, parents wouldn't, would not be okay with this kind of, Hey, why don't you fall on your ass and learn the hard way, you know, suck it up, kid. We didn't have it so easy when we were your age that they, they could have very well had that conversation. But your um, father too, didn't have it necessarily easy too. He did not know. I mean, and, uh, just background, the families, my family's from Iran, the Islamic revolution from both sides, family had to leave, kind of figure it all out. So definitely did not, did not have it easy in that sense. The difficulties of life offer the potential for resilience. When, when you don't have difficulties in your life, which everyone can have difficulties in life, of course, there's difficulties everywhere. It's not easy to, it's not hard to find difficulties. You step outside yeah. in New York City, you'll find difficulties <laughs> eventually. Uh, but the point is that it's, it's how you habituate your responses to the difficulty. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, but, but yes, absolutely. Yeah, continue. Please. Yeah, no. Um, like when you don't have a choice, but to be resilient, like that's when you're molded into, into who you are. So it's also taking, um, taking quitting off the table, but yeah, going, going, going back to it, just, it was, it was such a devastating conversation for me and Tristan. I mean, it was like one of the times where like, I actually cried after the conversation. Cause of course my dad's okay with it. The money was coming from retirement money that he saved up and his mentality is look my money one day is going to be your money so if you want it now sure like it's kind of it's up to you what you want to do with it um and going back to chewing on glass and staring at the abyss we this was two years after lockdowns we just now we're going through a supply chain crisis everywhere you look on the news it's a tanking economy and the inflation's going up and we're just blindly borrowing money and our whole plan is just to stay alive for like two three months like it was it, there was a lot of devastation that came that came with that that entire supply chain process and um a lot of appreciation for for our families um but yeah that going back to your question um what was kind of like the lowest point that was that was definitely it the humility a, of such a thing yeah yeah, have you? Do you know the story of Cortez? This uh, like the battle the of Cortez, the Aztecs, maybe. But essentially, the idea was he was a navy commander that sailed the the navy, um, his entire army to the shores of, um, yeah, Mexico, Mesoamerica, Mesoamerica to the shores, and he, um, he turned around to his army and said, and he told them, "We're going to burn the boats," and you know. Of course, the his crewmen they're asking Captain, why are we burning the boats? And they said, because we're not going back home. It's win or die. And um, the that's it's going back to taking quitting off the table. Eventually, the army did go and conquer uh, Mesoamerica, and um, that's that is the power of taking quitting off the table. Like, and that's right. that's. Uh, that's how we've we've also approached this thing as there is no plan B. We we don't know what we're going to do if we if we are not doing this. So we better figure it out. The Spartans, of course, the ancient Spartans, 
had the idea of you either come back with your shield or on your shield, meaning you either come back, you know, with with your weaponry and like you 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 fought the whole battle, uh, or you come back dead. Dead. That yeah. this was you, you have you have concluded your life in the endeavor of of warriorship. When you're going into business, it is a warlike atmosphere. I mean, you're waking up, you're getting shot at. You have a plan for the day. You go in, there's things to do to thread the needle forward. And whether you like it or not, you are going to be shot at all day from all angles. Um, machines are going to break. Employees are not going to show up to work. Uh, trucks are going to break down on their way to your facility. If they'd make it to your facility, sometimes they get caught up somewhere else. Um, the the economy is never going to be perfect. The conditions are never perfect. And you just have to figure it out. Do you think any of your resilience comes from having a partner? Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I'm, I'm glad you asked that. It, it really is your accountability partner. They say it all the time when you're going to the gym, you have someone that's going to keep you accountable. An accountability buddy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, a- absolutely. I'm in fact so grateful for, for Tristan for being in the same headspace as me for not quitting when I wanted to quit. If Well, if you wanted, if there were times where you were near quitting and he wasn't and times where he was near quitting and uh, you weren't, yeah, then uh, you're same headspace in that you have the same goal, of course, but sometimes you, you, you know, you need to like lift each other up at those times. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I'll, there's actually another point I kind of want to, uh, touch on and it's something that's so true that does not get talked about with entrepreneurship is how lonely the journey is because right now currently me and Tristan are in no man's land where we're not like these rich successful entrepreneurial we, we haven't gone to that to that level yet but you're well, also not these like introducing this new adventure of entrepreneurship like yeah that's, the, the, that's years ago exactly the excitement is done like it's not sexy anymore the friends and family the hype the all of that is gone um and then you turn around to all of our friends and family everyone has a stable income stable salary they've kind of have their 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 group their weekend routines where me and tristan are late 20s on scrap mode and uh there's just no one that we can really relate our problems to except each other we fall in like very heavily onto each other like hey man like we're going through this together dude isn't it so crazy that this girl almost tried to cancel us because we're called bootylicious yeah what a psychopath we kind of vent to each other <laughs> and so that's so crazy and also like i feel like every piece of news that is about the economy uh and if I didn't, if, if I was in your shoes, I would need to talk to someone who understood that this particular product or this uh, export import, whatever, whatever it is, just that things are getting more difficult. I would need someone to talk to. It's therapy, no? Yeah, to have absolutely. A absolutely. Yeah. And just say like, hey, I'm not crazy, right? I'm not crazy. Like, or the economy really is that bad or yeah. that, you know, things are things being delayed by six weeks is not normal, right? Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's going to bounce back up, right? America's still the world's strongest economy, right? There, There is no other country, right? 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 Yeah, dude, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I hope this doesn't sound condescending because I mean it in the exact opposite way. I mean it more in the looking up, but I'm, I am, uh, I'm very proud of you. And I am, 
you know, proud to know you, I should say more than oh, anything, thank you, uh, because thank it's, 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 you know, bravery is infectious too. courage is infectious. Confidence is infectious. So to, to hear your, your story and, uh, all the things that, uh, bootylicious <laughs> encapsulates, uh, in terms of the real difficulty, uh, and the challenges and, and the ever forward, um, March is, is definitely infectious as well. So I, I got to thank you for all of that. Thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And I appreciate the, the kind words. We have a little bit of stability now We're we're not running the day-to-day -day operations manufacturing. So we have a little bit of room to squeeze out and socialize, but it is really nice or really, uh, energizing to have an audience, even if it's just a few people, you, for example, just talking to you and, and, a, a fresh face, not a, not an old friend that we said, Hey, we're launching this company, um, six years ago, but, uh, it's really energizing. It almost feels like you are, I'm now also accountable to you. Like, I don't want to let the people around me down. I am setting an example, whether I like it or not. And, um, part of that is also very, very motivating and also very energizing. So I'm very well, fired up. I kind of want to go, go, go straight back to work after this podcast and start start making and selling more muffins see it's it's infectious it really is i mean we it, it's a good thing that we're built this way too um because we, you know we don't really have free will we have willed reactions and if we make the conscious decision to pull close people who are doing great things we are kind of called selfishly if we want we are kind of selfishly positioning ourselves in a continuously uplifting environment, an environment that pushes us forward. Maybe we're, we surround ourselves with very creative people because we're an artist. Maybe we surround ourselves with very cerebral and pragmatic and structured people because that's what we want to do. Um, but in either case, this is, it, it's great that we have this capability to one, discriminate or differentiate or, or be able to separate. That's what discriminate means to separate between two different uh, I did you discriminate uh, line shapes, all these things. It's a psychological term, not the other discrimination, which yeah. is bad. Uh, <laughs> but um, so that we we have the ability to sort of differentiate the things in our environment if if we're paying attention. And then the fact that we react to it, we we adapt to it. Uh, and I hope that, you know, in year six to seven uh, that you see that uh, you begin to see the high point, that the high point of the previous five, six years looks like a valley in comparison to where you are in the next year and the next year and the next year. And as long as you still have these numbers uh, as far as protein and carbs, you, you'll definitely still have me. So I'll, I'll definitely be in there. As long as it still keeps tasting like birthday cake. Oh, yeah. I think, I think, I, we, I think we'll... Protein or not protein, birthday cake is, uh, we, we can, we live in America too. Every, everyone yeah. loves their birthday cake. So contrasting to like the low points, are there any points that were sort of like the apexes or the sudden spikes or just serendipitous positivity in, in, uh, your, your endeavors? Yeah, absolutely. There's actually uh, something that happened recently and th this happens occasionally, but there was a recent cool, uh, little thing when 
we were vacationing in Madrid, Spain. Um, I checked my phone and we got a big spike in orders. The next day, the day after, the orders kind of kept coming in and we didn't know why the orders are coming in. We just assumed, I don't know, maybe Facebook ads are doing really well. And then after a couple of days, we started getting emails um, come in saying, hey guys, just found out about you guys through the Chris Young podcast. Like, Chris Young, who the hell is Chris Young? So we started Googling him and he's a famous country singer. And you know, me and Tristan don't listen to country music. So uh, yet. Was, yet. yet, that'll yet. change though. So one of the really cool things is uh, there's celebrities, public figures, you know, anyone that goes out in public has to physically look good or they have to appear good. So they work out, they eat healthy and they want something convenient because they have such busy, busy, busy lives. So Chris Young was eating. He's been hooked on our muffins and he was eating it during one of his podcasts. And someone's like, hey, what are you eating over there? Is that a, is that a cup? Is that a canister? And he's like, dude, let me put you onto something. This is like a game changer. This changed my life. Like this, these are like high protein muffins. It's called Bootylicious, and they all started laughing. And um, <laughs> does we, he have we, like a country country voice too? Yeah, he, he has a he has a yes, absolutely. He has such a beautiful deep voice. Talk like this. I yeah. got to listen to that because so I want to hear Bootylicious with a southern twang. Yeah, we clipped it and we have it on our uh, on our Instagram. Uh, at bootyliciousmuffins.com but he's he's shouting us out we love it it's it's so fun and uh, we got a bunch of orders from it which is cool but just the the just to hear someone else describe your numbers and like the hard work that you put into it for so long he's like this has 12 grams of dietary dietary fiber zero grams of saturated fat 180 calories 25 grams of protein and tastes freaking amazing and i'm like yes that's my baby that's my baby Next time I see you, you're gonna have a cowboy hat, little stirrups. Yeah. Like, well, I reckon, I reckon this, uh, th this here, booty uh, like, would be that'd be so funny. Well, I'm gonna definitely check this guy out too. Both, the, yeah. uh, it's his podcast. It's it's his podcast. It's, I think it's called the Quad Podcast, but it's it's or you can just Google Chris Young's podcast. That's what I do, um, and also and their we, their music. Yeah, yeah, their music too. Not that he really needs like the extra support. I mean, he's already so, so big, but why not? Ne nevertheless, he has good taste, clearly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we also have a very famous adult entertainer uh, who is a big fan of our muffins. So again, someone well, else that's public. They have to be fit as well. They, they have, have to be, be fit, fit as well. They have to well, I mean, I guess it depends on what niche, but yeah, I mean, yeah. they're sometimes kind of like athletes. <laughs> <laughs> they have to stay fit. Uh, they're bootylicious. Yeah, right. Um, it's crazy. Just you, you think about the idea of celebrity endorsements, which is now a $96.7 billion industry uh, as of the end of 2022. It's, it's crazy because that's a, that's a relatively new thing, uh, celebrity endorsements. I mean, the, the, the first, like, uh, no, actually, like the first time that a celebrity was used was really like in the turn of the century with Evelyn Nesbitt. She was, um, she was involved in a love triangle, basically, um, and one of her her lover was shot in public in the face at a at a party um, by her husband, and uh, they put her picture on the newspaper, and it sold extremely quickly, and people were like, they realized that you know sex sells, and this was one of the ways that this kind of idea manifested in the minds of uh, Americans, and this was around the time that. Um, 
uh, Sigmund Freud was going through different theories that basically everything is to some degree about sex and repressed sexual desires, which is interesting. And now, now it's, it's, we see things like, um, uh, Ronaldo, uh, in, I believe in 2020 or 2021, um, there was two Coca-Cola bottles on a table in front of him at a press conference and he moved them out of the way. And he said, water, agua, because he doesn't, he he drinks water. Coke lost $4.5 billion that day. It's like, and Coke's a huge company. They own so many companies. That's, that's more than, more than one and a half percent of their entire, like, like market. Yeah. Uh, Crazy. Kylie Jenner, Kylie Jenner, someone who's famous for being famous. Um, she was upset that Snapchat made a uh, change. And I'm going to actually read the, the tweet that she did. She wrote, so with three O's, does anyone else not open Snapchat anymore? Or is it just me? Ugh, this is so sad. That was February 22nd, 2018. Snapchat's shares decreased by 6%. It was a $1.3 billion loss uh, in their market value. And that's literally it, like, like uh, it's unbelievable. Like it's, I actually calculated every letter here. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah. With just 18 words and 66 letters, that's $72 million per word, 19 million per letter, counting the extra O's. Like celebrity endorsements are much larger than I think people uh, probably understand because they're like why is tiger woods why is michael jordan why are these individuals being paid such gargantuan sums of money it's like well they do have a lot of power in how your product is perceived now these celebrities they are catching on to it and you see um the rock kardashians everyone's just coming out with their own product like their own bottle of alcohol spirits uh kardashians jenners are coming out with their own makeup line and they're just wiping the market clean. Like companies that have been around for hundreds, like over a hundred years, are just getting blasted out of the water. Like what I just said, like what I said with Halo Top, that kind of, um, that kind of uh, like rapid yes market takeover. Yes. Uh, I like to end these with two things. One uh, with uh, my lovely guest providing their contact information and you know how to follow them on social media and things of that sort. And also uh, a, a fun fact about your industry or, or just something you can leave us with that you know hasn't yet made its way into the conversation. So let's let's actually let's start with this like do you have like a, an odd fact or fun fact or like interesting little tidbit? about any of the things that we've been talking it's about? It's not so much of an odd fact. It's something, yeah, it's not so much as an odd fact. It's more of like dissecting a cliche. When when Kobe Bryant retired, uh, he gave his retirement speech. Uh, Rest he, in peace. Yeah, RIP, Kobe. Um, he gave a little snippet or like a little nugget of that. And I don't think a lot of people um, really caught on or there wasn't a lot of emphasis on this when he said that... Um, those times where you wake up at three and 4 AM and you're, and you have to go shoot free throws or you got to do the work, even when you absolutely don't feel like doing it, that is actually the dream. That is the dream. And then he says, it's not the destination. It's the journey. And I know it sounds cheesy, but I already feel like I've made it. I've already feel like right now to be 
this young and to be the guy that sells the bootylicious muffins, the bootylicious muffins man into um, to have the to wake up and kind of have this life already feels so surreal. Um, almost and you hear it from other entrepreneurs too, like the 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 ones that have graduated to the next level and they cash in, they sell their business. They say all it does is add another zero to your bank account when you sell your company or you make a lot of money. But it's it's that process where where you're shaped and molded and you have that heightened like mental edge, like almost like you're unleashing that animal inside you and you're really proving yourself. And you're finding out finding out what you're what you're made of. That is the dream. Like that is the definition of success. Uh, again, this is everyone has their own their own life stories and everything. But for me, as someone who is literally on the journey, like right, you caught me right in the middle of it, Sam. Um, that uh, it, it resonated a lot with me, and I just kind of want to put a light on that um, on that on that cliche. I love that. Uh, and it reminds me of a quote. Uh, have you ever read, this is a children's book, so I assume you wouldn't have read it recently, but have you ever read The Little Prince? No. Okay. So The Little Prince, it's, it's my mother's favorite book. Um, it's by uh, uh, Anton de Saint-Exupéry. And it is, he has this beautiful quote. Um, and it's, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up the men to gather wood, divide the work and give orders. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. And I love that so much because it is all about crafting that motivation within someone to be up at 3 a.m., to be uh, doing whatever it is that it takes to move forward, to, to do that thing to move forward an inch, a mile, whatever it is, to progress. And I, I just, I, I feel that uh, the, the anecdote you gave about Kobe is resonant, of, uh, resonant in this as well, a bit differently, but I, I think they're, they, they interact with each other quite well, these yeah. ideas. Yeah, get, get ready for sea boys and girls. <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, Cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you, I think in this podcast episode, I think you have definitely helped uh, people learn what they're yearning for. So that's, that's something that I very much thank you for. Yeah. Um, Renee, how, how, how do people contact you? What, what are the ways in which people can uh, purchase this lovely, delicious, now it's empty uh, product? And how, if they have questions about just, maybe collaborations or even just learning about a little bit more about your story. How do they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So we're very active on Instagram. Our, our handle is at bootylicious muffins. So B O O T Y L I C I O U S muffins, M U F F I N S. We're very active, but yeah, if uh, you can shoot us a message, DM, um, I check it. And, or if you want to shoot me a personal email, um, it's Renee R E N E at bootyliciousmuffins.com. One of my favorite things ever. Um, and th I think this is probably an American thing, um, is where conversation can be both seemingly highbrow and lowbrow. So we're talking about the entrepreneurial nature and the psychosocial dynamics and da, da, da. 
of bootylicious. Of I love bootylicious. that. Yeah. I love Let's that. Let's not forget. I, no, because some people, some people who might be, they might be confined to their ideas of, they create sort of like a, maybe a hierarchies, like certain words shouldn't be used in certain environments because they resonate a lowness or a highness, or why are you using that hyper-specific word in this unnecessary we decide what words mean every single day if we want to make the word optic this is something that i, I learned a while ago um in uh, a, a class on postmodernism of all classes postmodern literature our professor would say um from now on the word optic means cool it means great it means awesome if you do anything good i'm just gonna say optic and within like three weeks of this class the word optic had such a positive vibe to it, such a warmth to it. Uh, and I don't know, this is such a wild anecdote, uh, but it was, is is just, I, I feel like perhaps this, the same thing can, can be here. If someone who's writing bootylicious in an email, they might be like, oh, what am I doing? I'm not sure if this is a serious company or whatever. It's like, check yourself, yeah. check yourself. It's, it's not that serious and neither is dieting. Let's make it more fun. Yeah, that, that was our that was our uh, motivation behind the behind the or that was what we were trying to do with the name. Just make it fun, make it silly for something that's so already boring and mundane. Oh, that's amazing! That's yeah. amazing. I, this is uh, of all the overthinking I've done. Uh, that's that wasn't part of it. So, run run that by me again. Yeah. So the the motivation or the idea behind the name was it was really two things it was one we want from a branding perspective we wanted something to be remembered so whether people love it or hate it or they thought it was funny or they thought it was a little cringy or whatever it got people to react you react when you see it and that's essentially what we wanted we just want someone to react and talk about it kind of like how we're talking about it now um but on the other hand dieting culture is so boring. It's so mundane. You're eating the same and grueling. food and grueling. You're eating the same thing over and over and over again. So why not eat a bootylicious muffin? Why not add some fun into your routine? So we just wanted to make it fun and bubbly and, and cute. So and birthday cake flavored and chocolate peanut butter and chocolate banana. Oh, yeah. So good. <laughs> okay. Oh, I love it. Uh, Renee, thank you. Thank you so much uh, yeah. for doing this again. Um, and uh, everyone, thank you for tuning in to episode eight of Interversal Podcast. Uh, in this episode, again, psychology has met entrepreneurship. Thank you again, Renee. Thank you. It's been fun.